Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve, plus you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Why Won't You Date Me, a podcast where me, Nicole Byer, tries to figure out how I'm still single, even though you could take away all of my wigs and weaves and tell me I have to be a bald-headed bitch, and I would do it reluctantly. My guest today, oh boy, I'm very excited. She is a friend. You've seen her on The Good Place. She stars on Why Women Kill. She was on Veronica Mars, Barry, uh, Big City Greens, Killing Eve, Love, Alone to gather oh my god oh, the powerpuff girls what a day <laughs> treat it's kirby how <laughs> i tried to do the horn like burr, burr, burr. oh there i did it okay yeah, yeah you did it it sounded yeah. great okay perfect <laughs> thank you so much for doing this this is so i'm so happy that uh we finally found time because you have truly not stopped working. Uh, truly, like 2019, I never saw you because you were working so much. Yeah, 2019 was very, very, very busy. It was almost like I was banking up all the busyness for an incredibly <laughs> not busy 2020. <laughs> yeah, 2020 truly for me, I don't know if it was for you, started with like a bang and yeah. like things were happening and then the world went ooh bitch you gotta take a nap for four months or however yeah. wait what so March March April May J my god it's been yeah. a long time a long time I had the same thing I was like 2020 is the year like not 2019 uh -huh. though I worked a lot like felt like a bit of a like 
I don't know. You ever do you ever? I felt like this is the only way I can describe it. 2019, I felt like I was in a washing machine the entire year, just getting mm-hmm. tossed around, and I I felt like I just like didn't know what was what. And I was like, no more. 2020, 20, uh, 2020, 2020. There you go. Uh, <laughs> 2020, 20. I mean, that's how long it's been. <laughs> but I was like, it's going to happen. I made, I mean, I've made the longest, um, like, uh, p- plan for the year or mood board mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, like vision board. And I was like, that's it. I'm, t- I'm taking back 2020. And there was no taking back 2020. But I will say what I think... It, what I do think is that I, do, I have already had a better 2020 than 2019 because I have felt more in control. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like, I mean, not in some ways not, but I feel like a number of things have happened in six months that have completely rocked me. But I feel very like, oh, maybe collectively we're all like graduating or growing mm-hmm. up a little bit. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I feel like... In the beginning of quarantine and the beginning of COVID-19, I was a little spiraling and I was like, my whole world is very much rocked. I don't know how I'm going to do anything, but I kind of figured out that I needed to take a little bit of a break. Like I came to the conclusion that like I can't tour every fucking weekend of the year. Yeah, That's not good for my soul. And I was... Like, I truly just figured out my period. I am <laughs> old. I'm like 59 years old, and I just figured out my period. I was talking to my therapist, and I was like, oh, my God. I I feel crazy and irrational one week, and then the next week, I'm craving potatoes. Like, for the, <laughs> I was craving tater tots and I ate tater tots every day for a week and I was like but I'm not pregnant why am I craving things and then my period came and I was telling my therapist about that and she said Nicole have you ever thought about PMS and I was like what do you mean she was like do you think maybe you're premenstrual before your period and this is why you're a little irrational and and angry sometimes and hungry for things and I was like huh I never thought I was the bitch from a Dove commercial who would like orgasmed yeah. over chocolate, but I am. I am that bitch. And it's not chocolate, it's tater tots. Oh my God. It's such a real thing though that people don't realize. Also, speaking of figuring out periods, it's not easy because I ran out of my Nuva ring when I was in London, so I'm mm-hmm. not on it. So I don't know when that thing's coming. I don't know when to expect her. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I don't know how often she comes because the Nuva <laughs> ring told me it was like every three weeks you take it out, you pop a new one in. Like mm-hmm. it told me. But I also think that like we're so used to as women having to deal with everything that you can't even like. I don't know. Even when I think like, is this PMS? I don't make room for it. I'm like, no, just, you know, you just have to get mm-hmm. on with it. But it's like, hey, there's a hormonal thing happening yes. every single month. It's a huge <laughs> deal. Yes. And people are just like, you're meant to just, ca- I mean, yes, we do carry on. Like I, sometimes when I am PMSing, I walk around and I'm like, there are so many women. Like, let's say I was like at a UCB show. Mm-hmm. There are so many women in, in that show or in that audience who are all having their period at the same time and just have yep. to act like they're fine. Just like, yes. I have to do it. I get on with my life, even though my yes. hormones are literally making me gain weight and crazy f- for the next yeah. three days. And it's something days. that men will never understand that we are fully bleeding out tiny yeah. little cups and walking around like we're normal. Like it's fine. 
Like it's normal. Just, yeah, just, oh, you know, like, oh, you spent a little while in the toilet. Yeah, I <laughs> was bleeding profusely. Yeah, I was bleeding. And then, oh my God, I started using a Diva cup and I started like a year or two ago and it kept like turning over oh and like my, the spilling Diva out. Cup is the most unruly thing. I use a Diva Cup. I use it for so long because I was like, it's best for the environment. And mm-hmm. I was such an advocate. I really wanted it for myself. And I use it for about a year and would also have to use pads because that damn thing yes. would always tip. Oh my God. Yes, it was. But then I figured it out. It wasn't opening up all the way in me. So it would just be like half open. And then the blood would be like, oh, we free bleeding. We having a good ass time. We can't just go everywhere. Oh, we're we going to paint the underwear walls. OK. And then I like figured it out. I was like, oh, God, you fuck. And then I was like, don't get mad. Don't get upset about it. No. It's a journey. Nobody yeah. takes the time to like teach us stuff. Like no. it's all like a journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. By the way, Nicole, your hair looks amazing. Thank you. I did this. I know because I saw it on Instagram. I'm so, so excited and so proud of you. I think that's, it looks amazing. And I can't believe, because you never used to do your own hair before this quarantine, no, did you? That's you, crazy. So you had done, I think it I do my own been... hair because I'm, I'm cheap. <laughs> You're also good at it. I think it was like maybe crochet, like a crocheted fro or something. And I was like, dang, where do you get your hair done? You're like, I did it. And I was like, oh, my God. And then you, I think, had twists at one point or braids. I don't remember. But I was like, well, Kirby can do it. I can figure it out. So this is honestly the best the best it's uh, really set good. of braids that I've done ever. It's really good. Also, once these braids are out, I'm going to do a crochet. So if you want to do a crochet over the video together, I can show you and we can oh. do it together remotely. I'm going to do a crochet after if you want like a crochet. Honestly, f- would love that. Also, yeah. you're currently in your closet. Wow. You've got <laughs> a lot of fucking fun stuff. I see. Is there a turtle? Is that a turtle? Oh, that's hey, a turtle I- hat that I bought from um, a Goodwill. Let me show you. I bought this from Goodwill in um, in Pittsburgh one day because we were we decided very on an impromptu mm-hmm. day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> look at his eyes. <laughs> this is fucking funny. It's you a know, foam turtle it, hat. I got this foam turtle head because when Aiden and I were filming in Pittsburgh, Aiden, who was also on your show, which I'm still annoyed was cancelled. Hello, I'm still annoyed. Um, <sighs> Rest in peace. peace. Um, (laughs) We've all had a show cancelled. You know, my Pittsburgh show was also cancelled. Wait, was this... um, Downward Dog? Yes, yes, yes. Erased from the files. You can't even find it anywhere. Hulu, where does it exist? Which is so crazy because I feel like it got like good reviews and then they were like, hey, bye-bye. Yeah, it did. I think it like critically got some good reviews. I don't know if the views were great. Uh, I don't know, but I also don't know why they pick up and renew or don't. I don't know. It's very confusing. Networks are very confusing because they'll renew shows that you're like, I've never heard anybody one time talk about no this. No one. No And one. then things that you hear people talk about, they're like, well, cancel. And you're like, what? Goodbye. Yeah. They do their own thing. C'est la vie. Anyway. C'est la vie. Yeah, look at this one. I this one is love it. A mess. It's a, oh, there's too much in here. I've, I've had a moment where I'm like, I have to get rid of some of this stuff. My nan passed away recently and we're still mm-hmm. dealing with clearing out a lot of her things. And it made me, I fully had like, 
went into like an existential spiral. I say spiral. It wasn't actually a spiral. I don't know if it was like enlightenment, but I was like, you just can't take any of it with you. Why mm-hmm. am I accumulating more? I just don't oh, even want boy. any more stuff. Yes. Like I've just got so much stuff. And if anything happens, which should happen at any point, my friends and family just have to deal with all of my shit mm-hmm. as well as all the paperwork. Yep. It is a lot. Like after my mom died first, then my dad died. And after my mother died, we truly didn't clean anything out. Like we yeah. didn't get rid of any of her shit. Her purse was still where she left it for years. And then after yeah. my dad died, cleaning out that fucking house was a nightmare. I it was like, what are you what were you keeping this for? Yeah. Why did you have this? And yeah. I like things because my mother liked things, but I'm trying to get in the habit of being like, well, this thing I literally don't ever wear. I don't even look at this anymore. I have to throw this away. Yeah. Yeah. Did did okay, and um, feel free to do whatever you want with this, but did your parents die close within a close no. Of each other? No. Mm-mm. It was ooh, five years apart. That's yeah. close, Nicole. I never oh. knew that. <laughs> That's really close. And you were a kid, right? I was 16 and then 21. That's so young. really close. That's my sis- sister-in-law has a similar thing. She, her, Both her oh, parents yeah? died. And actually similar ages. Uh, her dad died first, though, and then her mom died when she was 16. But she lost her dad when she was younger. But it's that's really young. Yeah, it's dealing with death is tough and nobody teaches you or warns you about it, which I think is not great. But, you know, I mean, you got to learn some things on your own. Uh, But I not that I'm obsessed with death, but I do think about it a lot. And I was watching 13 Reasons Why, because I don't because (laughs) I love it. I love horny (laughs) teens. Uh, And I... (laughs) And there was a part, like a moment in the episode I was watching last night where uh, one of the characters was like, are you afraid to die? And I like really thought about it. And I was like, I don't think I'm afraid to die. I think what I'm not like, I guess it's like a FOMO. I'm like, oh, everyone's going to keep doing fun shit and I'm sleeping forever. Yes. Well, my nan who raised me with my mom, like my nan and my mom are my parents. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I watched my nan like progressively she had cancer so it was it wasn't Ugh. sudden mm-hmm. and I had that same when I like I remember one time I was outside McConnell's ice cream my boyfriend and I had stopped to get ice cream and I was high obviously and we needed ice cream <laughs> and I was like just chatting about my nan and it's not really great to talk about grief when you're high it's like great ish mm-hmm. but sometimes not great because sometimes you're like it's great because your mind goes to these places and then other times you just like peek through a little door then you realize you weren't meant to open that door and then you can't stop Mm -hmm. so then I like I it like clicked for me in this moment and I was like she just wants to be here all she wants Mm -hmm. is to be here it's the thing she can't have and it's what she wants and she just wants to be she doesn't want it like everything will keep going without her and that's Mm -hmm. so scary because my nana is also such a people person like she just loved her family and loved people and is all that and I was like that's exactly what it is it's it's not the fear it's also like man I Mm -hmm. I have the same thing of like it's missing out I don't even know if it's missing out my thing is I'm like oh it's so sad when someone dies and if I go I'll make so many people not to be like 
No, uh, you would make so but at least many people, people sad. Really sad. Like, yeah. really, really sad. And that's so awful. Like, the, the what I'm feeling, I'm like, oh, I don't want everyone to feel that. And then mm-hmm. I also had this moment of like, fuck, I'm going to have to keep feeling this. Because I think I'm lucky because I didn't experience a close death until now. So until mm-hmm. my 30s. But then I think about like, oh, fuck, I experienced it so late. Now it's like going to be nonstop. Mm-hmm. Because loads that, of the people yeah. are old. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, once you experience loss, you realize, oh, this is a thing that I'm gonna. It repeats. It's not Groundhog yeah. Day exactly, but it will happen again and again and again. Yeah. And it doesn't stop until you die. Yeah, I'm not like obsessed with death, but I do think about it a lot and like mortality and trying mm. to like live every day with doing at least a couple joyful things. Because it might be the last thing I do. But I also have like a living will because if you have any sort of property, any sort of money, everyone should have a living will because my dad didn't have one and assets revert back to the state. And then you have to like do so much fucking work. And you're already also sad. But in my will, (laughs) you can't enforce shit like this in your will. But I wrote at my funeral, I want everyone to have gone through my closet and pick out (laughs) one of the dumbest items I own. And I want them to wear it because I was like, it would be so whoever speaks, it would be so wonderful for them to look out at a bunch of people wearing the dumbest shit. Yeah. Like, oh, Kirby, I think I told, I, we were like on a text chain about RuPaul's Drag Race and other stuff. I said, I was like, I want, or maybe I just told you, I was like, I want to recreate Crystal Method's uh, uh, the red latex. patent leather latex yes. outfit. I did it. I found someone no. in, uh, where are they? Russia to make it. And it's big and dumb and fabulous. Oh. And I was like, yeah, I would love for someone to wear that after I'm gone. And yeah. find, like the joy it brought me be able to transfer that joy. So yes. I think about that a lot. It's interesting. I have always sort of been curious about death and not afraid to talk. I listen to a lot of podcasts about death, not just like gory ones, but just like about death. And like, there's one that I really like. Uh, I think it's, it's not This American Life. It might be, it's called Dying Well. I can't remember what mm-hmm. podcast it is, but that's the name of the episode. Um, and it is... It's it's I think it's it's an NPR podcast, but like there's that, and they talk about that we should talk about death more. The will thing, I my nan had a will, and I think that's great. And I told my mum before I left, I was like, we all need to have a will, like mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. We just have to have a will because it's so hard to die, and then it's like so, I didn't realize how hard it was when the government gets yes. it. it's so difficult yes. to just. You're not like even if you're sort of at peace, your family are not, nope. and you can't even grieve fully. So mm-hmm. I think that's. Important, but I also think that you, Nicole, are really good at that. You're really, really good at like finding joy every single day. You, you are one of the most joyful people I know. Oh, and I Kirby, think thank no, you. but that's so cool because like <laughs> I think I'm joyful, but I honestly think, and maybe this is part of why we have to talk about death more. Like I honestly think since this thing happened to me this year, I am much more like, yeah, let's just do that. Yeah, let's just do that. Okay, mm-hmm. let's just. But I felt like, I guess you just don't know you're on a ticking clock until you see it and but Mm -hmm. it's like but you're on a ticking clock you are yes yeah and uh lately especially with like I mentioned this on a different episode but uh since like COVID started I've been like well why don't I just do everything I've ever wanted to do that I can like as opposed to like sitting and watching TV why don't I go try to learn how to roller skate for an hour yeah when you stand on the skates for a little bit longer like I've I feel 
accomplished and like I did something and I had fun doing it like learning how to ride a motorcycle that was always like a thing I wanted to do and I was like well what am I waiting for why don't I just try it I desperately want I was thinking about getting a motorcycle this week because I really want to learn how to ride how is it are you terrified my god okay so because I need to know because I literally like my boyfriend rides a motorcycle and I was like I'm gonna get one in London I was talking so much snack about like as soon as I get back we're getting a motorbike because I want to ride around and I don't want to be in the back of it and then I got back and he was like so should we go and get it and I was like I don't want to (laughs) die it is inherently dangerous uh but I will say it's a lot. So it's a lot like you have to practice because in yeah. order to switch gears, you have to like pull the clutch, let go of the the gas. And it's it's a lot of like hand eye coordination. But like yeah. once it's uh, in your body, it's easy. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I haven't ridden in a while because I was like, God forbid something happens and I have to go to the hospital and there's a bunch of COVID-19 cases. Yes. Uh, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Not right now. OK, well. You've inspired me. And I also danger is relative. Like once you know what you're doing, it's less dangerous. Mm -hmm. And if you wear protective gear, a good ass helmet. Uh, Mm. Also, this is a thing I didn't know until I took a class. If you have an accident and smack your helmet on the ground, you have to immediately get another one because it won't it stops absorbing the shock of impact. And I was like, holy shit, that's wild. I wonder if it's the same thing with cars. Like if you hit a car and then you just have it rebuilt is it as safe i don't know it must not be even if the seat even if the airbag doesn't come out it's like a little damaged now right that's what i feel like i don't know we're all living in a death trap that is the world (laughs) (laughs) uh so i want to ask you you were in london for a while uh yeah and did you were, were there protests in London? I know there was like a ton of protests like around the world because of yeah. George Floyd and Breonna uh, Taylor. And honestly, just like years and years of oppression and systemic racism and implicit bias and whatnot. And we were like, you know, it's boiled to a head. None of us yeah. have jobs. Let's get out and like make our voices heard. Yeah. Were there protests in London? There were protests. I'll tell you what there were. There were protests regarding um, police brutality. What there were not were protests just to not wear masks. We didn't have those. We didn't have anyone just like, hey, we really don't want to wear a mask. We didn't have that. Kirby, <laughs> it, it was so nuts to so see crazy. it on the news and to see all the videos of the people being like, I'm an American. I belong in Costco maskless. And I'm like, <laughs> people asked you to wear a shirt and shoes for service. Right. We're just adding another layer of something you got to wear to be in public. Not that big a deal. Also, you only have to wear it whilst you're shopping. Take it out the take it off the moment you get in the car. No big yes. deal. <laughs> yes, or take it off when you're in the store cuz that's what I've seen people do. I don't wow. think it's the best thing to do, but like the, you yeah. you don't have to argue with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I saw a photo of like a bunch of obviously white people at like Daytona Beach or they were like, do you see the picture that people just crammed in? And in my mind, I was like, that's not even comfortable. I don't even care about COVID. Just fucking butt cheek to butt cheek yes. with everyone. It was yes. so crazy. It's like a child trying to make a point where they're like, I yeah. love mustard. I'm going to make a mountain of mustard on my yeah. hamburger. And then you're like, well, you've now made this hamburger inedible. Nobody yeah. needs to know how close you want to be with people because you are upset that there's a virus that we don't no. know anything about that we can't control. It's so 
Americans... But America is a teenager. I do Ooh. think, like, people forget that, like, its history is not that long. At least mm-hmm. it's, like, colonial history is not that long, which is what we are part of. It's not very long. It's a teenager. And mm-hmm. so it is. it acts like a teenager. Like, it, it's, it throws tantrums and it bullies people. And it's kind of just like a teenager that kind of... I guess its parents are across the ocean and we're like, okay, fine. You want to be an adult? Emancipate yourself. You're going to be an adult. And they're like, yeah, fine. We will be adults. But yeah, we're going to be not. adults and, uh, yeah. and we're going to we're gonna have slaves. And, uh, um, um, <laughs> yeah. um, and we're not going to be nice to the slaves after we let them go. You know, it's, it's like the shittiest kid in class is it America. Really is. Yeah. <laughs> but we did have, we did have like legitimate protests regarding police brutality, which is an issue all over the world, mm-hmm. not just in America. I think it's heightened in America because of America's very recent history and because of the fact that police can have guns and have so little training mm-hmm. before becoming police. But we did have that and we have had our own incidents of police brutality. Like in um, 2012, I think it was, Mark Duggan was a young man who was killed by police in police custody and his family weren't told for some hours and that is what kicked off what were called the London riots but again Mm -hmm. it wasn't a riot it's an uprising it's so crazy that it's like these are riots it's like people have a right to not want themselves or other people to be killed by the people that are meant to protect us it's not really a riot a riot is like what happens when people's football teams lose and they trash a place that's a riot and people don't talk about that enough that there's a full difference like you were mad that you're football team lost i'm mad because my child went to the store to pick up skittles and didn't come home and that guy who shot him is signing packs of skittles yes. for fun yes yes yeah it's so wild to me and honestly like in uh england and london have there been like because i assume you follow like maybe english people on twitter and shit i don't know have there been like a ton of videos of like white people uh, being overtly racist and screaming at these people with camera phones no well what they have been oh you mean the the karen becky chad situation yes yes but i like the way amanda seals put it where it's like they're not karens they're terrorists and i was like "Mm -hmm." yeah they are terrorists. karen's a cute name for a fucking terrorist it is it is well what i do so i do follow some english people and i haven't seen a lot of that but what i have seen i i I love reddit i absolutely love reddit and so i go on to (laughs) reddit public freakout subreddit and you see a lot of stuff and there have been recently a lot of because I also think that like if I'm honest the racism in England is so cloaked and cloaked so very well and so Mm -hmm. subtle that you might just miss it I think the thing about American racism for the most part outside of like liberal elite racism is that it's very overt Mm -hmm. the rest of it and so it's really easy to spot um, which is nice because it's easy to spot even for white people. You know, mm-hmm. it's there. What I think is harder is like this, the very subtle um, li- liberal racism, which I think is what what the UK or at least London has a lot of, which most I think most mm-hmm. metropolitan cities have. But what I'm seeing more and more is people posting things where the police are stopping them and because mm-hmm. obviously because they're black. So it, most of them aren't violent. They haven't escalated to violence, but they are incidents. Because I know like... When I'm, I mean, when I was at home during this quarantine, my mom, my brother and I went for a bike ride and it was so interesting. Like the three of us were just out having a lovely, happy little bike ride. And 
I don't know if I wouldn't have noticed it before, but there were so many people that looked at us where I'm mm-hmm. like, we're literally just riding a bike. But mm-hmm. if it's one black person, it's okay. If it's one black person mm-hmm. and a white person, then they've been neutralized and they're safe. Yes. But three black people and one of them's like that's a, a giant black man. That's a gang. That's a gang. Exactly. They're and coming to get me. <laughs> My poor little mum, like, people were looking at us like we were a gang. I'm like, look at this lady. She can barely ride her bike. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's so funny that like, I know me personally have become numb to people staring at me when Mm. I was younger. I would be like, Oh, it's people are staring at me because I'm the only black person in the room in high school. I would be the only black person in a room. And we watched roots instead of a teacher talking about racism and talking about slavery. He was like play. So I don't have to (laughs) fucking do the work. And I was like, yeah, I mean, is Kunta Kinte really going to teach these white people? But every day when he would turn the lights on, everyone would look at me and I was like, Oh, I don't have like a statement. Like I don't. Right. I don't have I'm not the some- spokesperson. You know, I didn't write this movie. Yeah. And I was like, also, I've already seen Roots. We're all 17. I know a little bit more than you because I have to. Yeah. You have to know your history. But with all these videos, I can't help but wonder, like, some of these people are mothers or fathers. Like, do their kids scroll through Twitter and then their mother comes home disheveled and you're like, mom? I know. <laughs> I know, like, it's so, imagine how mortified you'd be if you saw your mom just, like, yelling at someone. I've watched so many of these, and I'm like, oh, my God, these people have full-on families, and they are acting such a fool. It's crazy. It's also just, like, not for anything. It's different if it was, like, you know, but these people are just, you know, like, I watched one today where where an Asian girl was exercising, and this woman, have you seen that one? Yes, yes. What the hell is going on? Like, why would you do that? What, What? What goes through, what actually goes through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I got into a fight with a white man at a gym. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but um, so I was doing kettlebell swings in this little hallway at LA Fitness where people will like take those like jazz steps and do like step ups and weightlifting just away from the weight room and like people being like, yeah. ur, ur, ur. so I was like doing kettlebell swings and this guy walked literally right where I was about to swing. And I went, Jesus Christ, specifically because I was like, I could have hit you. Yeah. Be more aware. And then he stomped in his tracks, double back and said, what the fuck did you say to me? And I said, I said, Jesus Christ. You walked into where I was swinging. He's like, well, you shouldn't be swinging back here. And I was like, there are four other people back here. It is a gym. I can be wherever I want. And he's like, well, maybe you need to come to the gym more, you fat black bitch. And I was like, wait, what? what? And I was like, what did you say to me? And I was like, I will fucking crack your skull with this. And then he scurried away. And because I was advancing with a (laughs) very heavy (laughs) weight. And I was like, uh, and then this other woman, she popped up and she was like, she did nothing wrong. She did nothing wrong. And then he like was away and she was like, I was going to get up and I was going to do something too and I was like bitch you're still on your butt you weren't gonna right. do it I was gonna I need you now I don't need yeah. I was gonna but it was a white woman who I think in the moment like just didn't know what to do she just knew that like he was wrong and that it escalated rather quickly and I was holding a literal weapon and I was like should I go to the front desk but I just like huffed and puffed and was like I have to leave um also he could have said fat bitch but I heard black bitch but who knows? You know, you know. Yeah, I think if there's any ambiguity, I mean, he's still a piece of shit, right? Yes. Like who, yes. over which, what, what verb he used is he's still a piece of shit. Yeah. But I will say 
and you can't see the situation again. But like, I wonder if she would have got up quicker if it was a white person. Because I do feel that like Mm -hmm. white people, like because we are so, because white pain is a thing that we see and is normal. It's Mm -hmm. something that people are very attuned to and will 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 be um, excited to end. Like, we don't want any mm-hmm. white people to be in pain. We don't want it to be uncomfortable. I'm going to stop him from being whatever. Mm-hmm. But there has been a number of incidents where I am in an argument with someone, where, where something has happened. Not a number. It's like, you know, you can count on your hands because as a black person, things like this happen to you. Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, it's so crazy that no one is coming to my aid. Okay, so like, speaking of like, racism in fitness so mm-hmm. like ages ago i was training for the la marathon i ran it i think i ran it like six years ago now seven years ago anyway i was running along the Bologna bike trail which is a trail that goes from um culver city uh all the way to the beach to like you oh can like it's really beautiful and it's like a great mm-hmm. way to run because then you don't have any you know it's, but it's a bike trail as well as a running trail at the halfway point where i was meant to turn back and start running um i had done it was a 10-mile run and I'd done five and I was turning back. I turned back and there was this bike, a, a, a white woman on a bike who was speeding, flying down this, although it's a shared path, so you're not meant to go mm-hmm. at like Olympic speed. She's flying down the path. I turned to go back. She, I guess, had gone on the other side to overtake people. So she was on the wrong side and we mm-hmm. crash into each other. I go flying. She falls off her bike. But meanwhile, obviously, she was on a bike, so she has a helmet, mm-hmm. she has this, she has that. I hit my head and I am sprawled out on this bike trail. About five white people run, rush to this woman's aid, rush to her, (gasps) make sure she's okay. They're touching her. They're like, you know, don't move. Do you need help? And I'm just lying there. And there is, I I can't get up because I'm dizzy and I'm dazed. And the Mm -hmm. only person who came to help me was this little black lady who I always used to see because she would power walk and I would say hi. And I used to do this Mm -hmm. run every Saturday. And so we'd always say hi to each other. And she is the, luckily was going past at that time. And she was the only person who stopped for me. That's fucking insane. That's to say about bias is that no one would have yes. thought we're rushing to a white woman's aid because she needs us. It's in their mind. They're like, the person who needs help is getting help. But it, yes. in I think, honestly, maybe it was like, maybe that was like seven years ago. That was such a weird turning point in my life and in my understanding of race in general, but also mm-hmm. in America of like, you know, I I would say that I'm quite. I recognize my own privilege in that I am from somewhere else. Like I have an accent, so if you hear my mm-hmm. accent, most people treat me better. And I mean, I've had seen women grab their handbags and then when they hear my accent, loosen up because Ooh. being English makes me seem more white. Ooh. So I've seen, so yes, I understand my that. God. But in that moment, when you don't have the privilege of having an accent, whatever you can see how you are seen. And in that moment, I fully saw how I was seen and it changed everything. My God, that is so fucked up. That it's is so fucked up. Truly so awful. I, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. It's, it's an interesting thing. And I think it's good for it. Cause I know a lot of white people listen to this podcast and I think it's important for them to hear stories I think it's important to hear it from the mouth to be like, we're not making this up. It's ingrained in the culture. It's, it's a thing that it's a stain on America. It sucks. It sucks. And it's not just, it's not just what it's literally everyone. It's like, I watched, um, I was watching Darren Brown yesterday, Master Hypnosis. Don't know if you've seen him. He's a magician. I love magic. (laughs) (laughs) Not to make a blanket statement, but I think, 
all black people like magic. I mean, they're the best reactors when there's like street magicians. And That's I went true. to the magic castle and lost my mind. I love magic. I genuinely Same. love magic. Um, so I was watching this thing. Basically, yes, Darren Brown was doing like this hypnosis. And he was talking about like, if you keep, you know, presenting someone with this idea and their suggestion that over time you will, you will uh, believe it. Mm -hmm. And I realized, I was like, oh, we're all just hypnotized from birth. We're presented with the yes. same ideas of people. Like, it's, it, we mm -hmm. think it's just like, I'm privileged or that white person. But it's because we have all, literally all been hypnotized by the system to believe a certain mm -hmm. thing because it benefits, like hypnosis. You know, like, there is sort of only one person that can, not necessarily one person, but for us, it's like a system or an idea that controls everything. So it makes sense for everyone else to be hypnotized. And I think we mm -hmm. are all just sort of in a state of hypnosis, which I think we're trying to break out of, but it's going to take such a long time. Yes, it Please. will take a long time, but we all just have to do the work. We I do. think about that a lot when I was a kid. I was like really obsessed with Whoopi Goldberg mm. and I would watch The Associate, Eddie and Ghost and Made in America over and over and over again. And I'm a creature of habit. I don't like change. So that's why like familiar things feel good. But I was like, oh, I, I guess... In my little brain, I was like, this woman is really funny and I'm laughing and she looks like me. Mm. That like as an adult, I realized how important representation is. And I think if I didn't have that Whoopi Goldberg, would I have thought that I could do this insane job that I'm yeah. very blessed and lucky to have? It's so crazy. It's crazy. I used to watch a show called Three Non-Blondes and it was three British comedians and they would do sketches like, you know, like on the street mm -hmm. sketches and they were so unbelievably funny. And I remember me and my friend wanted to do like, we were like, we should go out and do that. We should like go and do street sketches. But <laughs> it was some of the, and, and there was another show in England called The Real McCoy. And the Real McCoy was basically like SNL, but all black people. It was sketches mm -hmm. and stand-up, and it was all black people. And it was it was like revolutionary, and I watched that growing up. And then it just went away, which was so, so sad. But I know exactly what you mean, because my brother and I used to... Um, we didn't have, um, we couldn't afford a, a video camera, so we, but we mm -hmm. had a little tape recorder and we have so many tapes of us doing sket, like skits from The Real <sighs> McCoy. But I you're totally it. right. Like, to, like I, don't, I don't even know until you said that if I ever thought that because people are like, you know, you want to be an actor. And I think I have, I have a very supportive family that are like, yeah, mm -hmm. go do it. But I think like, where does that idea come from? And now when I think about it, I think like, of course it's that. Of course it's like, I mean, mm -hmm. I know seeing yourself, when you see it, you feel like you can be it. But on a personal level, I'm like, oh yeah, I used to sit and watch The Real McCoy. I think it was every Friday night. Like, religiously, mm -hmm. my family would sit down and watch that. And Three Non Blondes, I watched that every... Like, I was so... Like, of course I saw myself doing comedy because I saw myself doing comedy. Yeah, and my mom made sure that, like, I had white dolls but I also had a ton of black dolls. Yeah. And I remember once I was like, I, I want more white dolls. And my mom was like, well, you're not a white girl. So why would you want to play with a white doll? Don't you want to play with something that looks like you? And I was like, oh, fuck, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that's an early hypnosis because it's probably like uh -huh. when you're a kid, you're seeing all the other white girls. Like, I remember doing ballet and I was like a kid in ballet and they used to make fun of me all the time. I was the only black kid in ballet and the teachers even were relentless. But, but you know, Ballet in London, in England as well, is like very, very classist, like extremely. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it is here, but England where we very much have a classist, and there is one here too, it's just not spoken about. But I remember like my hair, 
My mom would obviously like cane row my hair. Also, we mm-hmm. say cane row. You guys say cornrow in America. Oh. But it's like rows of cane, rows of corn. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So, although your family are Caribbean, right? Yeah. My dad's okay. family, that side's from uh, Barbados. Ah! And then, for the, I know I've said this on the podcast, but I thought I was Native American for a solid, I don't know, decade of my life because my aunt was like, well, you know, because we're Indian. And then the door closed and I said, mm, I'm Native American. <laughs> she definitely meant West Indian. West like, Indian, yeah. <laughs> Also, Nicole, Barbados was, I went to Barbados a few years ago. Best holiday of my entire life. We should go to Cropover. It's the best thing you've I ever. I want to go so bad. It's the most oh, incredible experience. Oh, you posted experience. pictures in the best outfits when you it's went. It's the best. Oh, it was such a treat for the eyes. Oh, man. We'll all be Rihanna. It's the best. Just <laughs> let's go. Real quick, we have to take a break. Okay. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things. And Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to newly.com, N U U L Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code DATEME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving, and I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
you know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast, but then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DateMe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DateMe. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions, and flirt with the locals. Me encanta muchacho! <laughs> without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back! We have spent a ton of time not talking about relationships and that's no. what the podcast is about. But also I, I like talking about race and I think it's important and a necessary conversation, but I want to know you have a boyfriend and this is delightful. I it's love it. It's delightful. How did you guys meet? We met at my manager's office actually, because he was there for a self tape and I was there to have a meeting and, um, I was I walked in and um I saw the the I, I saw him actually through the windows of glass. I saw him through his manager's office and I was like, oh, he's cute. And then I went in to chat <laughs> with the guys who do the tapes and I was like chatting with them and then he came over and was like, Hi, you know, he told me his name, he introduced himself, and then he he was like, What's your name? And then he was like, Nice to meet you. We went our separate ways. And then I went into my manager's office and I was like, Oh my God, who is that? <laughs> And he was like, oh, you know, that's just, you know, John's client. And um, then I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And he is, you know, I don't want to be smug, but he's a beautiful black man. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, unfortunately, as and I know I am a beautiful black woman, but as a dark skinned black woman, I think I've been conditioned to believe or see that a lot of black men will not pick me. 
Yes. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then um, a week later, I uh, I got a text from my manager being like, so and so wants to go on a date with you. Is it okay if I give him your number? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> But that's also part of the hypnosis on on all parts. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. a that's like a five hour podcast into like race <laughs> and conditioning and within yes. our own culture. But oh yes, uh, dark skin versus light skin. Like my mom was super super light, and they used to call her high yellow and mm. shit like that. And it's it's it sucks. It, and my mom told me my mom talked a lot about race and at one point she was like you know after your sister was born I would pray that you would come out the same color as her Mm. not darker not lighter because Mm. you would just be treated so differently Mm. and I was like Jesus fucking Christ imagine being pregnant and being so excited to welcome a child into the world and then you have to already worry about their place in the world and how they're going to be discriminated against yeah. It's so crazy. It's crazy. It's horrible. This might be a personal question, but is this the first black man that you've had a uh, a long relationship with? Yeah, this is only my second long relationship. I wouldn't count mm-hmm. all the rest just cuz um I'm generally scared of commitment and if to me <laughs> if it's if it's less than a year, that wasn't a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm different. I'm like if it was Two dates, it was a relationship. <laughs> if you I came back I mean, for like, seconds, it's one. That's true. That's true. I think maybe less than six months. I think I would say mm-hmm. less than six months. But I was, I was um, as you know, but people may not, I was married for a long time. I got married mm-hmm. really young. And so um, I was in that relationship. And then after that, I was like, no more relationships. And then I met my now partner. Um, but yeah, this is this is not like the uh, the this is the only black man I've been in a in a long term relationship with, mm-hmm. and it's the best. I won't lie to you, Nicole. It's the best relationship I've ever had. It feel it's like so easy to talk. It's so there's mm-hmm. a common language. I feel I don't feel when when I when he says I don't feel like I'm looked at like it's not tokenism. I don't feel like mm-hmm. there's this weird sort of like ownership. Nor do I feel like there's a fetishization I feel like there's just like a true appreciation mm-hmm. and I think that like that's something that not a lot of people have or feel they have or feel that is like coming to them and I and it makes me really sad I think it makes me really sad as well in general that black women are truly the absolute most disrespected people mm-hmm. in the entire world I mean mm-hmm. like within and outside of our own culture we are so unbelievably disrespected and it makes me so sad because black women are so like so unbelievably intelligent so accomplished so loyal so emotional and it's it's so it's painful yeah and it's a real trip to like so my mom when I started wearing makeup would teach me to line my lips to make them look smaller And she would also be like, stick your butt in so my butt wouldn't look as big. And it was like adhering to like uh, European standards and whatnot, like 
but also on the flip side, my mom tried to keep my hair in, in braids and little bobbles for a very long time uh, and not flat iron my hair or press my hair out. And I just wanted that so bad. But then I was like, wait, big lips are now in I know. And, and big butts are now in. It's such a trick. <laughs> and no one's even saying like, hey, thank you, black women, because yes. the, the, the beauty standard that you have, you know, brought to us and owned for years. I mean, similar, mm-hmm. we were talking about ballet. In ballet, I used to get teased mercilessly because I had a big butt, like mercilessly. It was like mm-hmm. I wasn't skinny enough and this and the other. And now we black women are the reason why plastic surgery has boomed. Like yes. why this is a multi-billion dollar yes. industry is literally because of us. And no one is going like, I remember when I first, I remember my mom pointing this out because when JLo first came out people were like she's mm-hmm. got a, they'd be saying like a j-lo butt like yes. oh she's got a j-lo butt and my mom was like a j-lo butt j-lo has a black <laughs> woman's butt yeah. like there's never any credit and i also think like no. we're in this time right now where i hope people are starting to be more honest but i think like it would really really be honorable if some white people were literally like i literally owe everything to black people my, i mm-hmm. the look i am trying to achieve is that of a black woman yes I wouldn't mind it if someone was just like, yeah, I got my butt done because I love black women with fat asses. I love that. I wear braids because black women wear braids and I like it. As opposed to like Kim Kardashian being like, Bo Derek braids is what she like wrote like a couple years ago. And it's like, um, Um, no, no, it's not that. And things are considered ghetto or like low rent, low class until, you know, some designer puts gold teeth down the runway with chains and shit. Languages. It's, Yes. Yeah. I mean, I honestly just it, it, it if that, but that's the problem with white people as well. And that's the other thing to say about the disrespect of black women is that to not even to talk about there are people who will be so attracted to white women who have paid to possess all the attributes of black women and mm-hmm. then still turn around and tell you that they don't find black women attractive. Mm-hmm. And that is the fucking tea that is mm. all tea no shade but that's the truth that is like that is isn't that so crazy and like yeah. also maybe as black when we have to understand like we are so and and i think if we could take the idea that imitation is a sincerest form of flattery and know how mm-hmm. fucking bad we were we would then not allow other people to not treat us like the baddies that we are because mm-hmm. truly Every, the, the entire beauty standard, even though they don't want to say it's us, the beauty standard of the world right now is black women. It is. Mm-hmm. Although what they'll do is it's it's black women that have been, it's the idea of blackness that has been co-opted by white people and will, and that's what will be pushed to further keep us down and keep us feeling like mm-hmm. we don't exist. Yeah, it's so fucking wild. They and kind of like- raise us. They want it, but they can't. They can't. We just keep coming back. We yep. won't be put down. <laughs> um, also, like I've been told numerous, not new, like yeah, like numerous times. I had this one manager for a while, and I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but uh, there was a disagreement that I had with a network over what they were doing with something, and I didn't mince my words. I wasn't an asshole about it, but I said what I felt. I said what I thought they should do, and. I was like, and that's uh, for y'all to like, you know, think about whatever, come back to me when you have thoughts, whatever. And then my manager, maybe like two minutes after we got off the phone, texted me and was like, I think you should apologize. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, for the way that you said everything, you really came off as a bitch. And I was like, would you tell one of your white male clients that he was a bitch? Or would you say, wow, that was assertive and you're a boss. And it's just like, 
black women are we're like people paint us as like angry we're angry yeah. and it's like i can't remember who said it but it was like wouldn't you be angry too if you were yeah. treated the way you were treated yeah we are definitely treated as angry but i am here to say that i am angry like i think yes. it, is, it is angering it is angering when i truly like when i see people like it is angering to see how much is taken from us you of course you would be angered mm -hmm. it's not it's not that you walk around being like i'm in a constant state of anger but it's like <laughs> oh if you want to talk about it we can talk about it yeah and uh i would i don't know who i want to end up with black white puerto rican mexican whatever yeah. i just know that like i want to be with someone who like respects me and that i don't mm -hmm. have to teach them anything yeah like i dated a dude who I said, I was like, you can pull my hair. And he was like, can I? And I was like, yes, we're sleeping together. And I asked you to pull my hair and you did. You like were very, <laughs> he was very like, he like kind of gently tugged at it. And I was like, it's pinned down. I pinned this bitch down. You can pull on it. Okay. Let my scalp feel something. Okay. And then he was like, I just didn't know if I could touch it. And I was like, I don't want to have to teach you that if you're inside of me, you can touch my hair. Right. Right. <laughs> it's the but people it, who aren't inside of me. Right. They, I don't need them to touch it. Right. And if you've clearly said it, because I've also had sex with a white girl where I'm like, if you ever, I'll kill you. Don't mm -hmm. ever go near my hair. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you near it. You don't need to pull yes. it. If I've given you permission, that's fine. But you don't yes. need to. Yes, but also it's like I gave you permission. You Just gave permission. That's it. it. Yeah, it's hard. The teaching is hard in relationships because sometimes, sometimes people slip through the cracks. Sometimes you get someone who's like, "I know everything," and I'm very woke, and they mm -hmm. they're lying to you. They're lying to you. Yes. Yeah. Anybody who's like, I know everything. It's like, okay. Like I'm sure Rachel Dolezal could learn a thing or two. Yeah. I, Kirby, I went into a Rachel Dolezal hole on her Instagram, and then I rewatched the interview where this interviewer is, my God, is the shadiest queen of all time. This man <laughs> asked her like real questions about this like alleged hate crime that she was talking about for five straight minutes, and then at the end of the interview, pulls out a picture of a black man and goes, "Is this your dad?" And she was like, "Um, yes." And then, he, and then he was like, you mean to tell me this this person is your dad? And she was like, yeah, that's what I said. He's like, are you African-American? And I was literally screaming <laughs> because I watched the whole thing. I have time. And I, it's, <laughs> it's the face crack of the century. It is so funny. And now she's a hair braider. Honestly, she's no, a good hair she braider. Now. She's a hair braider. She's a good braider. Oh but I will say God. they're a little too tight. I'm like, you could loosen their grip a little bit. Hers always look very tight. Yes, very, very tight, which is, yeah. they don't need to be that tight. No. But it's just like, yeah, you want to be part of the black experience or whatever. You think you know everything. You teach Afro studies. But it's like, I don't know, a bunch of black people tell you, please don't. You right. know, bronze yourself and put on an afro and say you're black. You can't listen and say, right. ah, okay, I won't. Right. That's, that's <laughs> the craziest thing about it is being like, she's, I mean, Rachel Dozel could go freaking toe to toe with most people about race. She's read yes. it all. I mean, she was pretty high up in the NAACP. She, she was the president of the Spokane chapter. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? It's wild. Imagine. It's wild, but that is to show you that even someone who is the most educated can get it so wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you just don't listen to actual black people. <laughs>
Which no, I guess she would argue she is. She's like, of course I'm listening. I'm one of you. And it's like, bitch, no. <laughs> uh, the only person that rivals her is this kid. I don't remember his name, but he was like 18 years old and he lied about being a doctor and was working in a hospital with patients and he's a black no. guy and I was like you finessed the system and then he got caught and then did it again and I was Whoa. like this man I love him I know <laughs> I'm here for it one, per- he one person here for can it. trick the system one person beat the system I'm with him <laughs> uh, also dating while being a black person in like we do improv and improv is such a white space and it oh, bums me out no all the time. A, a and I think I was like really trying to dip in that pool. Not think that's what I was like trying to do in my early twenties. And I was like, this is oh, it's so hard. And then yeah. you watch someone say something on stage that you're like, Oh God, are you like racist? And then you're like, Oh, it's fine off stage. He doesn't say shit like that. It's such a, it's, it's tough to navigate spaces. Yeah, I also think improv is unique because improv like has an implicit financial buy-in because oh, yes. there aren't many, particularly in New York, which you know, like how many mm-hmm. people, I don't know very many people in New York who aren't, who, who, who can afford to do, improv is essentially like hugely not essential. It's a fun thing, but it costs a lot of money and you requires a lot of time. $400 to go to a space to pretend. To pretend. You could do that in your living room. You could, you know. <laughs> You could be like, you could do follow the follower at home. Yes. You could make weird sounds in your bed. But you, we paid. We paid. Yep, I didn't pay. For, paid I paid for one set money. and then I got some scholarship and whatever. But mm-hmm. like you, you, you pay for that. And then it requires an incredible amount of time. So yes. what I realized coming out of it is that the, I think like, if not the majority, then at least probably half or 50% of the population of people doing improv their parents still pay for a lot, mm-hmm. if not most of their expenses. It's a very privileged world. So it's a really unique microcosm. So when you mm-hmm. combine like financial privilege with the fact that a lot of these people, you know, LA is probably the most diverse pe- place that most of these people have ever been. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you get people who are like, oh, this is exciting to finally meet a black person. Let's see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. for me... Personally, it's it's more of a romantic cesspit. It's not really <laughs> cesspool, cesspit. Place where poopoo I is like kept. cesspit. I love cesspit. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. As as a black person, I I think that, and there's also like very few. There are very few, like you said, black people doing improv, and. I don't know. I I don't see very many black relationships in improv. Like I no. I, I don't think I I don't think I've seen any actual uh, no. in the improv world Mm-mm. black relation. I don't think I know of any. Can you think of any? Yeah. No. No. I I truly I, I cannot think, think of a, of a black person with a black person. There Not isn't one. enough of us. And you have come from New York, and I've been there, and we've both been around for a long time. And the fact that we can't think of that is bad. It's mind boggling. I've been doing improv for. Oof, my God, for 12 years now. And yeah. I can't even think of it. That's crazy. Oh my God, I've been doing improv for 12 years. Ooh, well, you don't do it so much anymore. I don't. I am, <laughs> And also, as much as I make fun of improv, I've never loved anything more yeah. than improv. I also love improv, but certain, like Benetton, RT, I love mm-hmm. Benetton. is like the, I mean, I love my old Harold team, but there is the freedom I feel on Benetton is like no other. Like, that I think is what the world could be like if there was actual equality. It's just like everyone feels very free. 
Yes. We, I think you were at our DCM show. Fuck. I can't remember the specific, but it was just like an Uber and a white lady complaining. And I have never laughed harder on stage <laughs> at like people literally making fun of the audience to their face. <laughs> Because it was like pretty, it was like like uh, black brown people, but then a lot of white people. Because improv is a white space, yeah. And they were like guffawing at us, being like, "Hey, Becky," and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, you're laughing, but are you listening?" Because right. we're literally, I comedy. It's like I did an interview with Conan where I was like, if you love Chris Rock but didn't realize that racism exists, if you listen to Dave Chappelle and didn't realize racism exists, if you like if you like Michael Che and didn't if you li- if you like me and didn't realize that this was awful and we live with this every day, you weren't listening. No. Like if you like Beyonce and you loved Lemonade and you didn't realize right. that she she literally says that black women are the most disrespected women. Like you weren't yeah. listening. It's so crazy to me that a lot of white people are like, I'm here. I I'm know. Listening. It's kind of crazy because it's like it took this awful this awful thing to recur, but also mm-hmm. to recur on film for us to for, for people to believe it when you're like Black art has been, t- it's not like it's been, sh- it, it hasn't been shielded. I mean, mm-hmm. NWA have a song that's literally called Fuck the Police. Fuck the Police. It talks about <laughs> racial profiling and things like that. Like KRS-One has the, a song called Sound of the Police, which is, mm-hmm. I would say, listen to it right now. It's an entire history on race yes. and yes. where we've come from and slavery to police. And, and yes. it's like, it's not like we hid it from anyone. We kind of no. kept saying, guys, yes. this is a thing. And everyone was and like, people I don't go, know. This is a fun beat. I like right, this. Like, whoop, whoop. That's the sound of them. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like a jazz standard. Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit is literally about yeah. lynching. And it's like, are you not listening? I find that song so beautiful, but so hard to listen to. It's oh, so hard to listen to. so upsetting to listen to. Yeah. Also, like the new has been really upset like I think white people just don't understand it's like we get to like wake up roll over open Twitter and then watch another black person get killed by the police or another white person scream at another black person and like two weeks ago I mean I feel better I'm in like a a more zen like place I'm still trying to like figure out how I'm funny again because I don't feel super funny right now but I was like you don't understand that like it weighs on your heart every fucking day to like wake up to another fucking thing but then you get funny things like Nancy Pelosi and Kente Cloth uh, doing some performative allyship girl I screamed oh poor Nancy (laughs) but what could they do they were giving it to I mean it's like they couldn't have said no. That would have been really bad. But it was, it was so ill-conceived. I will say so- though, I, and I'm I'm with you. Is like it's it's inescapable, and it's it is it, like we have to see it. But I think as black women, you also feel even deeper because I think about like, mm-hmm. you know, we if that was my kid or my brother, like mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just like this deeper feeling. But you're right. I mean, memes will will help you get through it. And mm-hmm. I will say, yes, Karen should be called terrorists. They are, mm-hmm. but. Part, sometimes I feel like the Karen thing is a way of sort of making fun of, the, like, they're, they're, yes. it, is, it can be funny. I mean, not not what they're doing, but I think that people are able to come together and find some levity. And even like, like the Amy Cooper thing, horrendous, not mm-hmm. funny at all. 
But some of the memes that came after it was Ugh, were so funny. spectacular. <laughs> I will say this, like black people, it's been going on for years, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years. But like we still figure out how to be funny yeah. and uplift and change the culture and shift the needle. And I, I, I love being black. And I think a lot of times when people hear Black Lives Matter or like I'm black and I'm proud, they're like, well, how come I can't say I'm white and I'm proud? I'm like, because the whole system and the whole culture already celebrates that. We have yeah, Black yeah. History Month. You guys get black history or white history the rest of the year. So right. it's like and then and you whitewash it and it's 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 hard. And white is seen as normal, right? Like I even see and yes. I really do appreciate because I know I can be a cynic, but I really appreciate that people are posting and talking about it and trying mm -hmm. to change. And I have friends that are doing um, anti-racist workshops in groups and trying to like mm -hmm. figure things out. I think that's really brilliant. But I will say that still the narrative around even people who are saying like Black Lives Matter, the narrative is still with the normal ones. But mm -hmm. those different people also matter, guys. Like, there is this, like it's still like I, I still feel I won't lie to say I won't lie and tell you that I that I don't feel I feel very objectified. Even uh -huh. like I feel objectified and said and still treated as a group of outsiders it's almost mm -hmm. like it feels some of some of the narrative feels like guys listen the aliens can live among us mm -hmm. and we'll all be fine mm -hmm. and it's like listen i know you're trying but i wake up and do the same shit you do i wake up in the morning and sit on my squatty potty mm -hmm. and do a shit and scroll on my phone <laughs> and you know go in my like i speak to my mom and my mom gets on my nerves as well just like mm -hmm. you and like it's it's not even that, like, I think it's still seen as, like, normal. And I think that's what we have to keep mm -hmm. working towards of being like, there is no default, even though we've been yeah, told the isn't. default is why. I just, the only thing I'm, like, super, super hopeful about is, like, our friends who are white, who have kids, I think those kids will be raised in a way where they're anti-racist. But I think people need yeah. to be like, you can teach your kid to be anti-racist, but you also have to explain to your kid when they're in class and their black classmate, Freddie gets called, you know, nappy headed, your kid can't just be quiet and go. That was wrong. Your kid has to right. out loud go, don't do that to Freddie. That's not nice. Freddie's yeah. hair is different than your hair. How would you feel if I called you straw head? You wouldn't like it. Yeah. So it's, it's like there's good allies and there's active allies. And I think yeah. that's, I'm the hopeful. Thing. Me too, Kirby. Because I also think that, like, what you were saying is about the kids is, you know, I think the majority of people we know, we are one of their black friends. We are probably mm -hmm. one, we are probably, one, you and I cross over, so we are yes. two, they may have two black friends, or they may have whatever, yes. like, but we all have multiple white friends. But I think that, like, maybe as people are becoming more aware of that, like, I don't know, take a look back at your wedding photos and see mm -hmm. what that landscape looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think as you become aware of that, then you will, you know, because you can't just like be like, oh shit, I'm going to drop all these friends. I mean, you can make an effort, but I think <laughs> mm -hmm. like you can start to make an effort and see where those patterns are. So like when you do, if you do have kids and you take them to school, because I know it's, we talk so much about like millennials and Gen Zs and I do think that those people, those like, the movement is always young, I think. Mm -hmm. I think movements happen from younger generations, but I do think that the people who are, in their 30s and 40s or even late 20s or whatever or whenever you're having kids people who are having kids can be more aware that like 
it's implicit bias is the reason why mm -hmm. when I start my kid at school, I immediately make friends with the other white mums rather than mm -hmm. going and talking to the black mums. So then my kid now is like, this is normal. So I think mm -hmm. it's up, like that's also a way that you can be active. And an older generation is going like, oh shit, everyone around me is white because of mm -hmm. X, Y, Z, but that doesn't have to be the same for my kid. Yeah. <gasps> wow. Speaking of kids and dating. <laughs> <laughs> we brought it back full circle. After you date, you can have a kid. Have but Kirby, truly, I could talk to you for hours and hours, but we've come to the end. We have. Oh, man. I usually ask all of my guests. I think I've missed it like four times, but would you date me? <gasps> of course. Oh, my God. I should be so uh, lucky. Uh, Thank you, Kirby. Oh, also, I have to say this. So you're in Cruella, and I think I auditioned for that part. I don't have a good English accent. And then after my audition, I was like, my friend Kirby's got an English accent because she's English. And they were like, we love Kirby. And then like, <laughs> like a month or two later, it was like on deadline that you got it. And I was like, they made the right choice. Oh, I mean <laughs> Nicole. That's so nice. See, that solidarity. Thank you for giving me a shout. Well, it's just like, I I used to be a person who was like, only one black is allowed at the table or not like that was in my heart. It was just mm. what I was told and that's what I yeah. believed. And then the longer I've been alive, I'm like, oh no, there's room at the table for everybody. And you're part of the, you might have to step back from the table to allow someone else at the table. And it's like, I don't have an English accent. I can't do that part. So why would I be like, oh, I hope I get it. I won't say anything else about it. In a while. I was like, no, no, Kirby. Thanks, Nicole. Oh, boy. And I think uh, we can all uplift other black women because oh, yeah. it's tough. It's tough for us. Yeah. And a lot of times I think about all the the things I've had to do to create my own space because I wasn't allowed in a space or like, yeah. was like, no, you, you can't have that. You can't have this. And I'm like, okay, well I guess I'll fucking do like a podcast. Like doing a podcast was mm -hmm. like a, a reason to do it was like, Oh, well let me give myself a platform to talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But like pulling each other up, I think that's good. I think that's great. And I think you're doing great because this podcasts are a very white space and <laughs> This is an amazing podcast. I love it. I won't be ashamed to tell people that I asked to be on here because I love it. Well, Kirby, to be fair, I've asked you so many times to be on it. But True. you truly have been, I'm honestly so happy and so proud of you. Uh, it's just nice to see a black friend fucking work. Same. And like do good work. You know same, what I mean? Nicole. I I've never watched you and you. been like, Kirby, you shouldn't have gotten that. It's like, no, you you did all the work to be ready to work. And you're just, you're so funny. And I truly adore you. And I adore you, Nick. I hope this corona goes away so I can see my friends I know, again. we can hug in person. Also, someone <laughs> give us a job together. Yes. Oh, that I would love. I truly would love that. That would be would the best. That. Yeah, I would love that. Uh, do you have anything you want to promote? I know that life is tough and <laughs> nobody's really been working, but like, uh, do you have anything that's like coming out that you know of? Um, I know I don't, but what I will promote is two apps that I recently really like. One is called um, Black Owned Everything. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a Instagram page. And the other is called Black Wall Street, which is an app where you can find lots of black owned everything in your area. 
That's great. I fucking love that because I just was truly in crisis because I was looking for hair products that were black owned because I thought because you got brands like African Pride and Cantu yeah. and Shea, Shea Moisture, where you're like, ah, oh, thank God, Black-owned business. And you're like, oh, they're not black, black people don't own this. No. I'm going to send you a list. I have a list of some, and I posted it today, but I'm going to send it to you. Also, I know Design Essentials is Black-owned and Atlanta-based, and they have amazing products. I've been using them for the last, like, three years. But I will send you the list of actual Black-owned thank hair companies. You. Yeah, I found one called, uh, oh shit, it has the best, oh, it's like Uncle Funky's Curl System, and I, the name made me laugh so hard, but then their packaging was so cute, and I was like, oh, okay, Uncle Funky's. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I love that. I love that someone's like, I'm going to name my company Uncle Funky. The funniest people. The funniest fucking people. people I love us. On Reddit is... (laughs) The funniest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Black Twitter. My God. It's crazy. Well, if you like this episode of Why Won't You Date Me, you can like it. You can subscribe on iTunes. And if you write me something nasty to hit on me, I will read it out loud. This nice person said, I want to shrink down to the smallest size possible and climb that booty. It will be known as the greatest expedition known to man. Uh, I'm only 16 episodes in, so I don't know if you still read these, but I wanted to leave one. Hey, friend, I still read them. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kirby. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa.